You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 171. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting Rory Clements, who is a British author of historical thrillers. He won the CWA Ellis Peters Historical Award in 2010 for his novel Revenger and the CWA Historical Dagger in 2018 for Nucleus. His latest novel, A Prince and a Spy, was published on September 7th. It's his first novel to be published here in America, but it's the fifth book in his Tom Wilde series. Rory lives in Dover, England, and I had a great chat with uh, Rory about uh, the amount of research he puts into his historical thrillers, how he balances incorporating real historical characters like Winston Churchill and Prince George into a work of fiction, and a whole lot more. Uh, So check out that interview coming up here in just a moment. Uh, But before we get to it, I want to let you know about this episode's sponsor, which is Masterclass. If you're not familiar, Masterclass is a streaming platform that makes it possible for anyone to learn from the very best. It's accessible on your phone, web, Apple TV, Roku devices, Amazon Fire TV. I like to watch the courses on my Samsung Smart TV in that crisp 4K HD. <laughs> and also on my phone whenever I'm, I'm out and about and I have some downtime. It's uh, they're really fantastic. And for fans of thrillers, uh, readers, and especially for you aspiring thriller writers out there, and the experienced ones too, uh, check out the uh, classes uh, from uh, Dan Brown, James Patterson, David Baldacci, and Walter Mosley. They're fantastic. Uh, so you can check it out at thrillingreads.com forward slash masterclass. All right. Here is my interview with Rory Clements. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Rory. Thank you very much, Alan. Uh, so uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background, please? My background, I was in newspapers for quite a while, national newspapers in in uh, Great Britain, in London. Um, but I was always writing in my spare time, uh, not getting anywhere with it. But then, you know, we left London. We came up to the wilds of Norfolk, uh, not Norfolk, Virginia, Norfolk uh, in England. And uh, we had two young kids and we wanted them to school outside the city. I had to earn a living and I got down to the writing seriously. And it's a very different thing when you write full time to when you write in your spare time while doing another full-time job. And uh, it, I was very lucky. I took off immediately. I managed to uh, get an agent very quickly and got a publisher very quickly. And, uh, yeah, the last 12, 14 years, I've uh, made a decent enough living writing thrillers. The first uh, a series of uh, Tudor thrillers set in later Elizabethan times. Uh, more recently, I've turned my hand to the 1930s and 1940s with uh, 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 a hero called uh, Tom Wilde, who's a history professor at Cambridge University in England. And he happens to be American. And did you always, uh, were you interested in in historical thrillers? Is that why you you, you were trying to figure out what to write? Uh, Is that why you chose to write the historical type thrillers? I've I've always been interested in in thrillers, Particularly, I mean, not, not just historical thrillers, all thrillers. I just love thrillers. You know, I just go back to uh, Ian Fleming and 
John William Goldman and all and all the great thriller writers. I just I just think that it's the it's the way to go. I guess you feel much the same as you run this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I've, yeah. So ever since I was a little kid, but I always loved the thrillers. <laughs> yeah, me yeah. too. <laughs> and so, uh, so it's kind of uh, curious. So now, the so Prison and the Spy is actually the fifth book in the Tom Wilde series, but it's the first book that's being published here in the states in America. It is, yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm delighted with that. Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, you know it, it has a very strong American element. One mm-hmm. thing, I mean, because you know the prince involved was uh, Duke of Kent, Prince George, who was the king's brother, and he died in a plane crash in 1942 in the middle of the war. Now he was really good friends with Roosevelt, and uh, in fact, you know, his uh, he just had a, a, a son. Uh, a couple of months before he died, and uh, Roosevelt was godfather to, to the to the child who's still alive today. His name his name is Prince Michael of Kent. Before we get into the details of the book, what are you, I was kind of curious about your impressions with the uh, the publishing business in uh, in the UK compared to America to the states. Is it uh, the same as similar, different? Well, I'd, I'd be very pleased with the. Uh, the way my American publishers, Pegasus, have been working, I must mm-hmm. say, I think they've done a fantastic-looking cover. It's very different to the British cover. I mean, I like the British cover very much, and I also very much like the very different tack that the uh, that Pegasus have taken. Yeah, they seem very proactive. Um, I, I think uh, I'm very pleased with them. Yeah, they sent me an advanced copy, and, uh, uh, and so I've been enjoying the, reading this. And yeah, the cover uh, is, is 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 very is very nice. And, and I remember I did look at your website. When I was preparing for this, I noticed that it wasn't that your other books have different covers in the UK. And I, I remember Michael Connolly always has different books. It's kind of interesting that even though it's the same book, but they use different covers dip, uh, depending on the uh, on the countries. I, I, I didn't realize that that was a that was something that the publishers did. But it's fascinating to see that part of the business. <laughs> I mean, I guess they know their market. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> they're the experts, job. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so can you tell us a little bit then about uh, how did this uh, the Wild series start? Okay. Can, you, can you give us a tell us about that that process? Well, as I said, I'd, I'd written what, six, no, seven uh, uh, of my Tudor thrillers, and you know you need a break sometimes, mm-hmm. and uh, I might go back to those one day. But uh, I, I really love doing that, and I was just chatting one day with my agent uh, and my editor and they both thought it was wouldn't it be a bad idea for me to have a go at something else uh, and I'd always had the back of my mind that I'd really like to do a, a, a you know a, a thriller series set around the world war world war ii and uh, they went for it and uh, you know I was lucky it, it took off and you know I won an award for it and being in the, you know the top ten of the Sunday Times, very pleased with it. Um, yes, yeah, it's yeah, a fascinating time too. The whole World War Two and the like. Your book has the OSS and the intelligence service in in in, in the UK. So it's so fascinating. Well, it was very important, of course, the OSS in the UK. And by the you know in 1942, it was just beginning. Uh, but by the end of the war, I mean the whole place was in Grosvenor Street was absolutely packed out with. With, with with great people, men and women, uh, they did great work. They they you know they infiltrated deep into the heart of Europe, and there's some very very impressive people among them. Um, 
and you, some people say, why, why do I, is my hero an American? Now, there mm-hmm. is a, a very specific reason for that. I, he's a history professor at Cambridge University. Now, the Cambridge University at that time is a bit different to the way it is now. One thing is there were no women. It was all boys. Uh, there were a couple of women's colleges, but they were separate. They couldn't even, didn't even get degrees. But they were also all from, you know, the the upper middle classes, private schools, and they just sort of got their places there, uh, grace and favour. I wanted somebody who was an outsider who'd look at that sort of, you know, that Brideshead revisited world with a sort of a wry eye. Uh, somebody who was sort of, you know, just think some of it was a bit amusing, maybe. Uh, so an American seemed to be an outsider. And, you know, I had a couple of famous American uh, intelligent people, intelligence people in mind who had strong links with, with Britain in mind when I, uh, when I came up with my... Uh, protagonist Tom Wilde. Yeah, it's so fascinating too because I, so so much of 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 the U.S. like the CIA and, and they learned that 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 came the OSS was its predecessor and they learned that from the British intelligence and our Delta Force and, and Berets all was up from the SAS over there in the UK. So so a lot of the, the stuff that we have here we learned it from you guys. <laughs> well, I, I I think they had to at the first place. I mean, the OSS when they started off were actually trained by. The British Secret Services, but they very, very quickly came up and you know got their act together and uh, made their own way in the world. Hmm. They were sort of remarkable people. Yeah, and I don't want, not, I don't want to give out any spoilers or anything here, but uh, can you discuss a little bit about because uh, there's the, there's a theory uh, 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 on this book about on the on a theory that the Prince George was was murdered in that plane crash. Uh, was that something that is that came up from your story or is that a conspiracy theory that's been around for a while? There have been many conspiracy theories about the death of Prince George over the years. Um, some of them a bit silly, you know, one, one involving the idea that, you know, if Rudolf Hess Hitler's deputy was a, was a passenger on the plane and then he was replaced with a dummy to go to the Nuremberg trials later. I mean, <laughs> that sounds preposterous to me. But at the same time, there, there was something very, very strange about the plane crash. I mean, it was, a, you know, I've been up there and it's, 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 a, it's not a high mountain. It crashed into a hill about 600 feet high. Uh, and it had plenty of time to gain height, this, this plane. It had left uh, Invergordon Air Base, supposedly en route to Iceland. Uh, it had been in play about half an hour, in the in the air about half an hour. It had plenty of time to gain uh, ten thousand feet probably, and you know, they, they, there was actually nothing wrong with the plane. The engines were perfectly working in order. There were top pilots on board. Prince George himself was a pilot. Um, why did it crash into this hillside? Very little was made of the whole event at the time. Uh, that was said to be because the British royal family didn't want anyone in Britain to think that their loss was any greater than anyone else's. And of course, this is at a time when Britain was being bombed and fighting and people being killed in the war. And I can understand that. But at the same time, I couldn't understand why the plane crashed. <laughs> and, and this... and. 
you know, why were these important people just on this supposedly uh, innocuous trip to Iceland to visit the troops? There are th there are things that that don't add up, and I came up with a theory which I thought was feasible uh, of what they were really doing, and uh, I won't give it away, but mm -hmm. uh, I think it works. As, a, as, a, as what really happened. And so is that how it works when you were when you're coming up with the idea for your books? You 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 take like the something that really happened, and then you just you go off from there. I'm kind of curious about your system. Do you like do you outline these? Do you spend a lot of time up researching this before you start writing them? I do a lot of research, but it's a very good question about you know real events. Yes, I I do look at real events and I look at them with, you know, I look at it with my newspaper man's eye after many years in newspapers. Uh, I have a good eye for a story and I also have a good eye for what might really have happened. You know, I'm always thinking what's, what's really going on there uh, behind the scenes. Uh, Cause very often things aren't what they seem to be uh, on the surface. Um, and yeah, that's what, that's what I do. It, they're very much, what if books, uh, you know, secret histories, they are, I'm not doing a complete counter factual story like, you know, when if the Nazi, you know, a story where the Nazis won the war and took over, you know, like the man in the, the uh, high tower. Mm. I'm not doing that sort of thing. I'm saying you know, this thing could have happened and be part of history, but we just haven't discovered it yet. Do you understand the difference? Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, this is more like what do you call that? The speculative versus this is more grounded on the actual history of of, of the era. A, actual, actual history. I'm not changing history. Yeah. I'm saying what if this happened, uh, and yeah, yeah. And I enjoy that more as a reader of uh, than uh, even like the movies, like that uh, the High Tower one or that the. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah. they're, fun, they're fun to watch, but it's just so weird. It's like, well, that didn't really happen. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> what did you think about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Have you seen that yet? Yeah, I did. You know, I, I it was I was surprised when that happened. I shouldn't have been, but I didn't see it going that way. And then it was just like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I always enjoy his films. So. Oh, I do too. I, yeah, he's one of my favorites. But yeah, that was kind of crazy. I'm like, oh, so he's doing Inglorious Bastards here on, <laughs> on Once Upon a Time yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah. So yeah, well, I guess it's uh, it, it's fun to get your revenge you know, to mow down Hitler in the movie theater like he did in that movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so so for uh, for the listeners who aren't familiar with your with your books, uh, can you uh, just tell us like what can they expect when they're reading one of your novels? Crikey, that's a that is a really difficult question. <laughs> I, um, hopefully, they are an easy read. Mm -hmm. uh, well researched read. I don't think. I hope you won't find many uh, errors of history in there. If you and there, are, you will meet people who are real people, and you'll meet people who are uh, fictional. Uh, and hopefully, they'll all work together. And hopefully, I always try and get a really good uh, ending to my books. I'm not one of those. I get so annoyed if I'm watching a TV series, like an eight-part TV series, and I get to the end of it, and it's a disappointing ending. I think, did I really waste eight hours of my life on that? 
on that story. So I want to make sure that any readers of my book, they will really be thrilled by the end of it because I've worked it out beforehand. I know where I'm going. I'm not just leaving it to the last minute to see what happens. Anyway. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's, for, that's for other people to decide whether I make it work or not. But that's <laughs> my, what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was also wondering, too, because, yeah, like you mentioned, you, you have like historical figures in there like FDR um, and, and fictional. Is that um, how is that balancing that when you're writing that? Is that uh, you, you don't worry about that or do you worry that you're. That, you know, I don't worry about that. Yeah. Um, if historical fiction goes back to Shakespeare, it probably goes mm-hmm. up a bit before that. It probably goes back to the, the Odyssey and the Iliad. You know, Shakespeare, when he had his Henry V, there are real people in there and there are invented people. And he invented all the language. You know, people didn't say all those things in, in Shakespeare's history plays. Uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not comparing myself to Shakespeare. I'm just talking about what historical fiction does. It, it takes real events and it... Uh, it gives often historical events are uh, a skeletal skeletons, and you're adding flesh to them. You're trying to say this is what could have happened. You're not pretending to be a historian saying this did happen. You're saying this is what could have happened, and making sense of sometimes very sketchy historical uh, uh, events. And has, so this is the fifth book in the series. Uh, how how's that going? Are you uh, are are going to be any more? Uh books in the series coming out uh, i've got one finished it's uh, at the editing stage now it should hopefully be coming out in england in january i hope pegasus uh, pick it up and bring it out i will have to see uh, that's up to them um but i'm very pleased with with the next one and uh, i'm very pleased with this one actually i think I'm, i think this this uh, certainly the best i've done and i really thrilled with it when I when I finished it I thought it was a I thought it was quite a you know if you know that if you if you read it Alan you'll see there is also uh, the early indications of the Holocaust in there mm-hmm. um, and th- which uh, was inspired by the uh, attempts by a couple of, of real life uh, characters who don't appear in the book, but, you know, they, in 1942, uh, were trying to get out word of the Holocaust. They saw it happening, you know, the uh, the death camps in, in Poland, uh, long before the rest of the world knew about it. And so, uh, I, I, to, it, to me, that's an important element of the story. Yeah, I find that so, uh, yeah, I find that fascinating when I was reading it, too, um, I actually like Googled. I'm like, is that really a real person? <laughs> and yeah, sure enough, the the Mueller, uh, I believe that was his name. Uh, so yeah, so it's just it's just fascinating how, um, how 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 you tied everything in like that together into a, a into a story that you know it's got it's pretty big t- topics, of course, some pretty uh, dark dark t- subject matters. But it was uh, it's an entertaining read. I've always been a fan of spy thrillers, so I think even if someone um, just enjoys this, a good spy thriller. They're going to enjoy this book. So that's uh, that was oh, thank uh, you. yeah. So that was that. That was definitely a, a, a fun. So uh, I was also curious now uh, with your writing process because I always ask this because I have aspiring writers that are listening to this podcast. So what do you? What are your the tools of your of your trade? Do you use just Word or something? Some other type of software program? Or? I, I work on an Apple, so I use Pages. Oh, okay, yeah, Pages. Um, and uh, I work. 
very unsociable hours. I work very late at night. I work uh, from about uh, midnight to about three or four in the morning. I set myself a thousand words a day. And that's why I work so late because it comes to midnight and I haven't done my work. So I just stay there and I stay there and I stay there until it's finished. And I sort of uh, now got into this bad habit of staying up really, really late into the night. And then I get up about 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, I go through what I've done, uh, have some breakfast and coffee. And then hopefully in the afternoon, I play tennis. I uh, try and do that uh, two or three, maybe four times a week. In fact, after I've talked to you now, I'm intending to go out this evening for a game. I'm a bit of an addict for tennis. Uh, and I also watch it a lot as well, which can get in, can interfere with my work late at night, especially when something like uh, the North American uh, events are on, like Cincinnati at the moment, and yeah. <laughs> Flushing Meadows coming up soon. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the time difference. So, yeah, that's going to interfere with your work hours. I was going to say, so you're, it, it, it coincides with my work hours. Yeah, 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 I was going to say, so, so what, is, what, what time is it over there now? Like six o'clock or so? It's, it's six o'clock, yeah. Six yeah, so, you, so your work, your writing day hasn't even started yet. <laughs> it hasn't started yet. Well, yeah, but my editing day started. You know, I go yeah. through, I go through what I've done and I do a lot of reading because uh, there is a massive amount of research in, uh, the books I write and you know there will be people to pick me up when I get things wrong uh you know I once or twice I've got had problems with weaponry because mm. I don't you know I don't have guns uh and you know once once I think I had a Smith and Wesson uh ejecting uh, a cartridge and I was told later they didn't that that particular model did not eject a cartridge. Well, I'm sorry about that. And uh, <laughs> I fixed it for the paperback. That was in the hardback. Well, yeah. Well, especially you're not only dealing with like you're dealing with older weaponry too, which is kind of makes it a little even harder to even if you, if you could get a hold of it, it'd be kind of hard to get a hold of. I think of a 1940s or 30s <laughs> revolver or pistol. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, and so the, you know, as as a night owl, I I really like that you, to hearing that you the, about your hours. I, I will say because almost everybody I interview, they always say like, "Oh, I wake up at five in the morning." <laughs> so I, you're just going to bed at five in the morning. I like that. <laughs> yeah, are you a night owl as well? Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, yeah it's usually... quite nice. It's quite nice, sort of wandering out to bed and finding that it's actually daylight. Yeah. going to bed isn't it yeah yeah in, it's in just it's, everything is quiet and there's no, less distractions and <laughs> yeah. it is there are no the phones don't ring uh yeah there's nothing nothing to disturb you yeah so i was also wondering too with this uh this crazy year that just keeps on giving this uh pandemic year plus now how did that, did that affect at all your writing process or your you, I, you know it's been I've been very lucky. We live in the countryside in an old farmhouse uh, and there are lots of fantastic walks around here. I mean, the only difference it made to me was that I couldn't see people I wanted to see and uh, uh, I couldn't play tennis. I don't know why they banned tennis, but they banned tennis. Um, so I just had, I went for a five mile walk every day and carried on my work uh, and yeah, it's now seems to be opening up in England. I don't know how it is in America, but it's opening up here. Funny enough, my my daughter, who's twenty, she's just got COVID. Um, 
but she seems to be pretty doing pretty well with it. She's in London in her apartment. Uh, so I don't know if she's seen her. Well, you see her on FaceTime. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, she, she seems right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. The young, it seems like it's getting affecting the younger people now. This new variant or whatever, but hopefully they're since they're younger, it doesn't uh, hit, hit them as hard. So it doesn't seem to so much, does it? Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's that's a positive outlet, I guess. I, I don't know the way it's going. It looks like everyone's going to be getting it, some sort of variation of it. So who knows? <laughs> I, I guess they will. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, we'll all end up. Uh, either jabbed or have had it, I guess so should be swimming with antibodies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, um, all right. So you're um, aspiring. Uh, this is the one question that I always ask before I, 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 I wrap things up uh, again for the aspiring writers, any advice out there, especially if they're interested in, in perhaps writing a historical thriller like you do. What do you, I mean, the obvious thing is you have to do your research. Mm-hmm. You have to do your research to the extent that you don't have to think about what's happening. You have to feel that you're there in that time. You have to be so uh, immersed in the time that it's, you don't, otherwise you have to have far more research than you actually need. So you can discard a lot of the research. You're not trying to fill it in. You just, it should just feel natural. That's what I'm saying. Uh, that obviously you have a problem with getting the right voice, as uh, publishers always call it, uh, for, for your period. Now, if you were talking right about the 16th century, like I did, um, you know, you have to talk in a language that doesn't seem uh, quaint, as you know, and Shakespearean, mm-hmm. because your readers wouldn't would be get lost, and also those people were not quaint. The people there are tough people who, you know, went around the world in ships that, you know, were just basically wooden tubs. <laughs> um, and they, and then again for the 20th century, their language is very familiar in the 1930s, but actually they also talked in very different ways to, to, to the way we did. And it, not just in this country, in, in Britain, but in, in America too, I'm sure the same is true, mm-hmm. that there was there was casual racism and there was casual sexism, which uh, it, it, it was familiar then, but it would be wrong to do to have it now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I remember some sort of my grandparents talking, the way they talked, it was appalling actually some of the time, but it was just what they were brought up with, I suppose. Um, you see what I'm getting at? Mm-hmm. Yep, especially the last uh, five, you, ten years. Uh, no, not even the five, ten years. The last two to five years, the yeah. changes have been monumental from you know from when I was growing up. But you can't. But at the same time, you can't avoid the fact that they they were like that in those times. I mean, because mm-hmm. if you're dealing with Nazis, I mean, they weren't they just casually racist. I mean, they were they were. It was a state state run necessity for them that they you know that people had to go along with it or they were done for mm-hmm. uh, so you have to sort of accept the way people ex- existed then and spoke but you have to write it for a modern audience and uh, respect the modern audience and 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 actually the modern audience is right and they were wrong to tell the truth yeah that is fascinating that's interesting i never thought about that that's, that is a very difficult uh, balance uh, for for you or for historical writers, I mean, yeah, you want to be true to the era, 
but you also don't want to offend <laughs> everybody that's reading it in, in, in now in the 21st century. Yeah, yeah. No, they, 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 they were wrong in that time. In fact, I used to, you know, I, I would have, you know, I was brought up at a time when Britain still had the vestiges of an empire. And mm -hmm. uh, I used to have long arguments with my mother about it because she sort of came from that empire background. You know, she'd born out in Malaya. Her mother was born in India as part of the empire. And I had long arguments with my mother about <laughs> the, how awful the empire actually was. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but to them, they thought it was the greatest thing in, in the world. So um, so where can the listeners uh, find you online on your website? I was checking out your website. You have a, you have a great looking website. Thank you very much. It's very kind of you to say so. Yeah, and what was the, it's a Rory, uh, just your name, roryclements.co.uk. Rory roryclements.co.uk, yep. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, so you can find information there. And uh, Rory, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you, Alan. Thank you for listening to Meet the Thriller Author. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with one of your favorite writers of mysteries and thrillers. Or if this episode's guest is new to you, I hope you give their books a chance. Helping listeners discover new authors and books is one of the coolest outcomes of doing this podcast. As always, you can head over to thrillerauthors.com to sign up to my Thrilling Reads email list. That way you won't miss out on any great deals in thriller and mystery books. You can also check out all the links and resources in the show notes for this episode over at thrillerauthors.com. And also please do subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so already and leave a rating and review wherever it is that you're listening to this show. If you have done that already, I thank you. I really do appreciate your support. For my other links to my author website, social media haunts, and more uh, check out thrillingreads.com forward slash links all my links will be uh, on that uh, page so that's it for this episode uh, see you next time and stay safe out there <laughs>